you have your Bibles with you, would you open to John? We've been looking at John for the last few weeks, looking in the chapters there. I'd like for us to notice there's a method and a purpose. The Gospel of John is far different than any of the other Gospels. For one, it doesn't mention the birth of Christ at all. There's no story in the book of John of the birth of Christ. There also is no story in there of the wise men coming or of him being the carpenter shop. So, In fact, when John gets going, when John starts in chapter 1, if you turn there, John chapter 1, look there. As we look at chapter, he just skips all that. And there's a reason why he skips all that. And the reason that he skips all that is because of a specific purpose that he wrote his book. Unlike the other Gospels, which are called the Synoptic Gospels, John stands as a theology book. It is a book that is different because of its structure and the purpose of which John created and wrote that book. I can't wait to meet him. When we get to see him in heaven, I'll be delighted to go. You'll have to wait in line behind me as I get my chance to talk with him. But if you would look in John chapter 1, he begins and starts his story, not with the birth, but he says, in the beginning, talking about before the world began, in the beginning was the Word, and that was his capitalization of Christ being the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Though through him all things were made, without him nothing that was made has been made. And the conclusion from there and from the other New Testament writers was that Jesus was the creator of the world. Which puts in us a unique perspective because we went and we slayed the creator of the world. So very fascinating. Go down to verse 14 in which it says to us, And the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. And the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth, important. So God took on human flesh and he walked among us. He made his way. So John shares with us and he wanted us to be sure we understood why he wrote his book. Why his book is took particular stories. He skipped a lot of stories and put in a little stories. And there were specific reasons why he took those stories and lined them up as did. He was there exiled. We believe that it was the time when he was writing the book of Revelation. End of his life, before he died, the Lord had him write this book. And as he laid out this book to us, the Gospel of John, he had a specific purpose. So if you turn in chapter 20, look back in chapter 20, at the end of the book of Gospel of John, you look at chapter 20, we're going to look at verse 31. Can you find that? John 20, verse 31, where he lays out the purpose. And he said, but these things are written. Talking about is John. John, all the stories that he had put together in his book, these things are written that you, you, us, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Christos, the Son of God, and that by believing him, you may have what? You may have life in his name. That you may have life in his name. And therefore, John clearly was writing his book to make one thing perfectly clear. Jesus is God. So as people would pick up that book and read it, 
all the evidence, the stories, everything goes, is built on that idea of leading you to understand that he was in the beginning and up to the culmination of his great death on the cross and his ascension, that Jesus was God. Not just a good man, not a prophet, but in fact was God. Which is significant. He also spends, unlike the other Gospels, he spends a whole third of his book in the Passion. The last week of Jesus' life. He spends that there. So I would like for us to look and pick up the story. We're going to go back to the first verse of chapter 20. John 20, we're going to look at the very first verse, if you find it there, and find this in the Gospel of John. If you follow along in your Bible, you can have that, then you can take it home, because you can't take my slides home. Uh, I guess you could get them on the Internet, I suppose. That would be. Okay, so we want to look at, and the story we're talking about is after Jesus' death. Okay, he, We've already had that on Friday, and after Jesus' death. And we're going through the Sabbath, and it starts off in verse 1, saying, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. The posted Roman guard was already gone. Because the angel of the Lord had already come. Jesus had resurrected. So this whole scene that she had assumed that would be there is now changed. And now he's gone. She said, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. Now you need to know, when John says that, he's talking about himself. (laughs) Just to let you know, the one who Jesus loved, you see. John sat next to him. He was the youngest, you see, of the disciples. So he said, he came to Simon and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and he said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. So Peter and John are now headed out towards the tomb. And both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Why? Because he was younger. So he was faster on his feet. So John got there first, and he reached the tomb, according to his testimony, he said, And he, John, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. And then Simon came up. This is so much like Simon Peter. Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. There was no hesitation on his part. The older guy, he just charged right in. That was kind of Peter's uh, M.O. And so he saw the strips of linen there, as well as the cloth that was lying there, wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Now, I'm going to, I want to just give this to you at no extra charge uh, today. You've probably heard of the Shroud of Turin in Italy. And it is a piece of cloth. It's back in the news. It happens about every Easter. They start talking about it again. And evidently, this person has made this model uh, that of Jesus would be lying there dead, and he has taken this cloth, and the cloth is supposedly the cloth that actually wrought the body of Christ that has been passed down. Just, just for your thinking about it, there's great skepticism among scholars about the shroud, and for good reason. 
I won't take a lot of time to go through that because that's not our purpose today. But just because you hear about it doesn't necessarily mean that that's so. Even though people say, oh, for sure, for sure. Well, we really don't know. So be careful about that. Back to John 20. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. Well, what did they believe? And they said they went uh, in there to understand. They still did not understand the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They didn't understand that. So they came and they found this empty tomb. Watch. Peter, stop! We'll get the guys to help with the search and then we'll divide up, all right? We'll have Andrew take the north, Bartholomew will take the bottom. Peter, stop! Look, I'm just as confused about this as you are. Someone stole him. That's the only logical explanation, John. Wait, 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 okay? Look, what we witnessed today... The guards, they took him. We have to move swiftly. We have to rebury the body properly. Peter, stop! Okay, we need to go tell the others. Tell them what? What we saw. We saw nothing. Exactly. John, do you not understand that they are trying to stop us? That's why Jesus kept waking us up to pray. That's why they got to Judas. That's why... That's why they arrested Jesus. Just the other day, I was looking at him. I was looking him in the eye and I I told him that I loved him and that I would follow him to the ends of the earth. He was supposed to be our king. He is a king. When we were in the tomb, I remember something Jesus said. The linens were just lying there. They they were just lying there. No, no. Think bigger. Look, all of this, all of it, was supposed to be preparing us for this moment, for that empty tomb. We just couldn't see it. Couldn't see what? Okay. When Mary came back and said that the tomb was empty and that the angel of the Lord was there, that's when it started to come back. John, enough. We can reminisce about this later. Jesus is missing. We have to go find him. He's not missing. That, that's the point. Look, he was trying to tell us about this. Jesus was preparing us for this. He's risen. Peter, he's a different kind of king, and he always was. Peter, you remember that night? Jesus asked us who we thought he was. When he called me Satan? Yeah. Yeah, I called him... Lord. Lord. Lord of all, Peter. We just didn't understand. But he's gone. No. He's risen. He did it. 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 Peter, he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He did it. Do you hear that world? He's risen. He's risen.
powerful, wouldn't it? And then the disciples went back to where they were staying, the scriptures say, chapter 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. You follow the story. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And there she is looking into the tomb. And as she's looking into that tomb, and she saw two angels in white evidently appeared after Peter and John were gone. And they were seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the other foot. And they said uh, to her, woman, why are you crying? They perfectly knew why she was crying. But she went on to say, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have put him. And at this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? This is Jesus asking, why are you crying? And who is you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she said, well, thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where, I, where you've put him, and I will go get him. I will get him. And then Jesus clearly said to her, Mary, Mary. And she turned around at him and said in the Aramaic, Rabbaniah, which means the teacher. Now, I thought this was an interesting picture. I think that's kind of intimate between Mary and Jesus, isn't it? Kind of that closeness. Perhaps you may be worried about that because the Bible goes on to say, Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I do not uh, have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead and tell your brothers about him. We'll come back to that for just a minute. I just wanted to comment a little bit about that. In the King James says, do not touch me. Don't have that touch. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want to be touched. It wasn't that he was, that he couldn't have be touched by sinful flesh. It wasn't that. It was not, he had something to do. He had to make his presentation before the Father. So that was the thing. And so it was not that he was afraid that she was going to, just don't keep me from going. Don't keep me back. And, of course, she wanted to take him right then. Walk with me. Come with me. I want to go show you. Go show everybody. Come, let's walk back to where everybody is. That was her intent. But she said, now you go uh, instead to my brothers and tell them. I am ascending, he said, to my father and to your father. Oh, wait a minute. He's ascending to my father, and he's ascending to your father, your father. He's going to my God. He's going to your God. You see that implication there? And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said, these things to her. And, of course, they didn't believe her. They didn't. The Bible says they didn't believe her. Well, she's an emotional woman. Been through a lot. It's a distressful week. And yes, we went down there. We saw the body was gone. But, you know, to see she said, you know, it's early in the morning. You know, she probably was up all night. Blah, blah, blah. You could think of all the thousand reasons they could. Because they didn't believe her story. They didn't believe her story. Even after the witness of the rising of Lazarus. They didn't believe her story. See, it it has a thing to do with believing and faith in Jesus. It's the hardest. I want you to notice going back to this very purpose of which John wrote his book. 
And he makes clear to us, but these are written that you may believe. These things are written that you may believe, that you may trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The purpose of that, that whole purpose that John is laying out, is because he ran back and he didn't believe her. He didn't believe it. And now, his whole book is saying, the purpose I gave that to you is so you could believe. I gave that. Now, here comes something I want you to take home. Jesus described, and we find in the book of John, two different types of faith. Did you know this? This is kind of stunning. Two different types of faith. First, the Bible talks about that there is a a faith that is for the sake of the works. Now, what do we mean by that, for the sake of the works? That means that I have seen the evidence, and therefore, I believe. I saw the empty tomb, and therefore, I believe. I believe the witness that the others have said. I saw the evidence. I looked at the facts. And therefore, I believe. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of faith. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus went on to describe another kind of faith. Another faith that goes beyond that, which is almost stunning in what he was asking from us and talking to us about. And that was, he was talking about a oneness with Jesus. Now, what do we mean by that? Chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, he outlines this in verse 12. John chapter, look at this so closely. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to my father. Seriously? Seriously? Did you get that? This is a breathtaking promise that God gave to us. That Jesus gave. It, it is stunning. Look, look at that text. Whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And... They will even do greater things than these because I'm going to my father. Greater things than Jesus? We think that he did the greatest things possibly that could ever be done. And yet he said those who believe, those who believe would do greater things. How could that possibly be? None of us have raised anybody from the dead. We haven't opened the eyes of the blind. We haven't made the limb to walk, unless you're a physician and can kind of do that. You see, we look at our lives as being on, on uh, this earth for just a short while, aren't we? You go and you go to a graveyard and see, I, I used to like to go through the ones up in Massachusetts where you could walk around and see these that are hundreds of years old and See what people wrote on there. They inscribed things on them and, and have stuff on there about your life and try to put in a few words what your life was about. 
But we see that, kind of look at that, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Because, you see, Jesus' life was really, if you look at it, was very brief, very very local, only, only rubbed shoulders with several thousands of people. And look what has taken place since then. Brothers and sisters, look what Jesus' followers have done. Think of it. Jesus' followers have taken Christ to every tribe and to every nation. You think about that. Because his truth always marches on. Whether on backpacks or by trains or by electronics or whatever, his truth continues to go and go Because the church expands and keeps its growth going far beyond anything we could have ever thought. You think about that. You see, I can't teach people Spanish. If you would take Spanish from me, you would be in trouble. But my church can. I can't play the piano, even after three years of piano lessons. I can find middle C, but my church can. I can't lead the Pathfinder Club, but my church can. I can't operate a medical school, but my church can. I can't train pastors, thousands of pastors, but my church can. You see, doing far greater things. Well, we might not be raising people from the dead, but we're taking his mission of love and the gospel to the world. You see, which brings me, brings me to us. What greater plans could Jesus have for our Naples church family? I wonder, you know, I wonder what greater plans Jesus could have for us than what we see right now. I bet it would blow our minds. Have you seen that ad where they're describing about what the future is going to be like on TV? And there's a little boy at the end and it's going and all of a sudden he goes, oh, boo, it blows my mind. Boo, blows my mind about what it'd be. I tell you, it would blow your mind. What Jesus has planned for our church. Therefore, we have an advocate. We have an advocate. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, just didn't go to sit to wait for some 2,000 years later to say, I'm going to get on a cloud and come back and get the people. He's been doing something. And the scriptures reveal that Jesus is preparing a people To take home. And his spirit moves around. And I believe. We want to be part of that. We need to be part of that. Dear Lord I thank you for. John's powerful testimony. Yes it's fine to believe. We can believe and we can have faith. 
and trust in him. But when the Lord asked us to go beyond, to be in oneness with his ministry and his mission, it is stunning that we will be seeing greater things than we've ever seen before. Lord, today, on this Easter weekend, we ask that your spirit may have complete control and to lead us where we need to go, that we may fulfill what Christ is called to do in our community and around the world. We are weak, we are small, but that seems just the size for you to use. We thank you, Lord. Be with us as we grow. In Jesus' name, amen.